Hello, my fully shining women. I am so happy to be back here with you. And over these last few weeks, we've talked about getting through the hard. And I feel like I've crossed a threshold into a little easier, a little more exhale. And I am hoping and wishing and praying the same for you. And today we have a guest who has also been on a lifetime journey and a journey over the last year. It's one that's been filled with creativity and inspiration and action and being willing to feel that fear come up and still feel called to serve anyways. All of this just seems to ooze out of her. She is so authentic and real. And many of you know that I come from a Toltec shamanic lineage and Toltec means artist of the spirit and Willow Wingood is certainly one. She is a mother and painter and artist and builder and also the founder of Elsewhere Studios and the School of Magic, which is a modern mystery school. And our conversation today wove between spirit and the extraordinary to the everyday and mundane from talking about sacred space within yourself and your body, your mind, your spirit, to creating and anchoring dreams and visions into physical spaces and how you actually do that. And she just has this natural ability to see beyond and below the surface, to blend shamanic journeying and dream work and art and to help help whoever encounters her and her paintings and her physical spaces to really connect to your own inner landscape and guidance. And we'll talk more about what that means. So I trust her story and message will enchant you. So I present you with Willow Wingood. So Willow, I was thinking back to my first memory of you, and it was a time in my life where I felt like abundance was contracting, and somehow I had received this message that if you wanted to really kind of reignite, re-expand abundance, that a great practice to do would be to buy a painting. And so (laughs) within a very short time, like hours after hearing that, I was... I believe I was down in town and you had your paintings up and I was so, so drawn to them. And I remember picking one that really resonated with me. And it's, it's this woman who's praying to the sacred waters and there's all sorts of animal totems in it that resonated with me. And the moon is there and there's this whole interplay between the sacred feminine and sacred masculine And it felt very symbolic to me at the time to put it on my living room wall because up to that point, I had been a little quieter about my spirituality and my shamanic gifts and to have moved here to Paonia and say, okay, this is part of my home. It's not just part of my office or healing space. And now when I look at that painting, it's just so um, almost prophetic in a way, or there's so many elements to it that have like spoken to me in different ways since that time which was years ago so I just love that 
you seem to have a gift of tapping into deeper messages and deeper imagery that can really speak and heal and make an impact on the space. So I want to thank you for that. And (laughs) it's still hanging in our living room. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I really want to put it in my office. But we keep it in the living room. (laughs) Like the whole family now is very attached to that. And um, I just I just have the sense that we're going to have a really rich conversation today, kind of weaving between spiritual and everyday. And I'm very curious about your path and how you are able to receive visions, not just for paintings, but I know you do a lot of work in the community and with physical spaces and to speak to creating sacred space within our within our bodies and minds and spirits, but also within the way we do our work in the world. So welcome. Thank you so much, Megan. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have this conversation. So before before we gathered here physically, you had written to me, the vision of making the most of this precious magical life is strong enough that I can't turn back when limiting fears come up. And so I'd love for you just to explain a little bit, like how did you come to that awareness and understanding? Well, that feels very um, present at the moment with (laughs) my heart beating and um, feeling nervous being here yeah. with this interview. Yeah. Um, Good for being brave. I know public speaking <laughs> is not your normal it's expression and great practice for me. Yeah. And I'm definitely, I mean, that's, I think, why I create visually part of it is that the, the imagery comes through on so many more levels that is mm-hmm. almost impossible to describe with words. Mm-hmm. Um, and words are so poetic and, and helpful, too. Yeah. But um, I have had a long journey of dancing with with really strong visions that I feel like um, are just burning to come into form. And, um, and that being such a strong process for me that my limiting fears that come up, I just have to move mm. through them, almost to the point where it feels like if I'm really afraid, it must mean I need to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'm considering not doing something just because of my own limitations, it's something that would be the most growth and yeah. something very precious to bring to the world. Yeah. And that's not an easy path today because, I mean, it takes a lot to let that come up, let the emotion come up, let the, like all of it dance and swirl and then say, wow, I'm still going to like find the courage to do it anyways. Yeah, it's definitely a path of walking through the fire. Yeah. Yeah. So so tell it's me. It's so rewarding. Right. And <laughs> so like uncomfortable at the same time. So t- tell me a little bit like how I, I just have a sense of you having like such a rich inner landscape and that you've had experiences in your life that have helped you tap into that and help you move through that fear. So I'd love to just hear a little bit about, you know, your your path because not every mm-hmm. not everyone has that understanding of oh if i see the fear and feel the fear i could still walk through it and and share and express in the world in whatever way it comes through you i think for me growing up in the woods of western washington and and growing up very close to nature in a hand built little hippie house mm-hmm. with my parents and siblings um was an incredible experience of, of connecting with nature and finding that source there. And, um, I spent a lot of time way out in the woods 
and um, would talk to the plants, and I'd find these oasises of of mossy covered old growth forests with, you know, creeks and waterfalls and um, would sometimes have fairy experiences that I barely remember now, but I feel like they probably were real. Yeah, you know? they are real for sure. <laughs> and, um, and communicating with the trees. I remember sitting with the trees and, and communicating visually. Like it was a very visual experience for me that they would unfold in guidance mm-hmm. or um, or even just their their experience and their interconnection to the rest of the forest. And um, let's see, probably going to public school in seventh grade. I went to public school in first grade and then again in seventh grade was a massive shift. It was like trying to fit in and it not working and having a lot of insecurities and critic and fear come up. And um, dancing with that and just kind of having this entire world, my, my world perception changed to where I was judging my parents and wanting us to just be, you know, normal. normal yeah. <laughs> and then um, by eighth or ninth grade, my parents said they had gotten really excited about something called Celebration Experience. And it was uh, open eye meditation that included breath work. And um, breath work, eye gazing, and moving through any sensations that came up. Mm. And I was just, you know, having these kind of out-of-body experiences and seeing auras. And um, and I feel like that was definitely a catalyst for, for being okay with just who I am. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I feel like I really found, found my people at that time in my life, which were mostly like five years older than me uh-huh. <laughs> and my brother and his friends. Um, and we also inherited a little cabin that was about a mile and a half from my parents' house from someone who had passed away and they left it to us siblings. Wow. wow. And it became kind of my first canvas as, as a physical space mm. and as a, a playground. Um, and we we painted and drew all over the walls and put a couch up on the wall and we'd spend weekends there mm. and um just have you know so much so much fun and in the space itself was like we were cultivating the space for that it was like our safe haven yeah and i feel like <clears throat> those years of those formative years of kind of exploring altered states of consciousness in so many ways with the meditation and then also with plant medicine um, kind of were were the beginning the seed plantings of most of my life work right actually as you were describing that I'm like oh and here you are still doing was... those things today <laughs> right yeah yeah, the, just these the vision of like I have to build a temple and it will be the playground to the higher self and my art starting to do more art and, you know, painting in, in my own shapes. And um, and then I ended up going to high school in Vancouver, Canada for 11th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a very alternative, structured high school where the students created the curriculum and hired the teachers and ran the school. Very there were cool. adults too, but they were more there to just kind of usher us along Mm -hmm. and like guide us on the way 
and I created a project, the Nocturnal Project, and there was going to be um, four or five of us doing it, and it would be a 28-day living in my cabin in the woods um, experience of just being awake at night. We'd sleep during the day and mm-hmm. cover the windows and mm. um, really get in touch with our inner and outer darkness. And I think I had a lot of other things like blended into that idea. Right. And then it can't, when it came down to it, everyone else dropped out and it was just me. And so I went and did it. Like your own own solo meditation (laughs) experience. Yeah. 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 It was definitely like a coming of age kind of christening to spend those 28 days by myself and mostly in the dark. I had a candle. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and, and I, w- I would love for you to like pause there for a second before you finish your story and just like, just describe it a little bit. Cause I know for many women in my world, we have, we, we cultivate that relationship with the moon and the phases of the moon and understanding the different energies. And uh, I'm just really curious, like what, what were some like of those key ahas you might've had spending that time more in the moonlight and more in, in darkness. Yeah. It became very apparent, the, the energy of the moon of that moon cycle. Mm -hmm. And I started during the new moon. So the middle of it was kind of the climax of, of light and intensity outside. Mm -hmm. I spent the first many days sewing a wool coat coat. It was in the winter, so it was cold out. And, um, and I had this big, thick cloak I'd go out in. And um, and in the dark, it was, you know, I had to face a lot of my internal fears. My right. internal landscape would come up. Um, and then as the, as the moon grew and I could see farther, I, I could, you know, relax in that sense. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, I felt even more comfortable than I ever have out there. And there was, at one point, there was a lot of coyotes. And I remember being like, oh, wow, like I'm hearing way more than one and they seem pretty close. And I was in a logged off area. And then I could see a few, you know, in sight around me. (laughs) I always love that sound because you hear the coyotes here. Mm -hmm. And it's very different, I would think, to be hearing the coyotes from inside your home at night versus, you know, them physically being quite close to you. Yeah. Yeah, so. But they didn't come closer, and they drifted off, mm-hmm. and I wasn't afraid of their distance at that point, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, yeah would have been pretty wild yeah. if they got closer. <laughs> yeah. And so you you had, that sounds like a very, like, initiatory kind of experience to spend that much time by yourself and in the darkness and getting comfortable with the parts of yourself that maybe you wouldn't have paid attention to or tended to in the same way if you had been going through your everyday life. Yeah, it was very, it was very empowering. I I came out of that experience feeling like I could do anything and feeling like I really understood that balance between um, maybe the fear that that society has where we have to light everything mm-hmm. and um and and keep it far away yeah and then getting really in touch with like the complete essence of the absence of light mm-hmm. and it being the void and yeah. being a very safe like safe womb yeah mother's womb and um 
just being in touch with in touch with mother earth and and that moon cycle yeah. at the same time yeah yeah that void that void space is one of my very favorite spaces i feel like that's really where i live and then to interact here on earth is is a joy and it's interesting when you really find some comfort in in playing in that expansiveness yeah 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 i've been hearing more about uh, dark retreats lately, mm. and I I was unaware of them. Mm. And people actually are going on meditation retreats that are cave-like in the dark for yeah. days at a time. Very so, cool. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. Similar. This yeah. wasn't. I mean, I wasn't like completely void of light. Right. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Just intentional in that way. Yeah. Yeah, and it can be beautiful to to really have that you know candlelight and to be able to sit in your own inner darkness or outer darkness and then still remember like, oh, right, there is light. There is. <laughs> it was so precious, right. the candle. Yeah. Yes, at that point, so bright, so luminous. Yeah. <laughs> and so kind of what, how, how did that whole understanding of, you know, facing fears and playing with the fullness of darkness and light and how did that journey continue? I feel like it became a really common thread for me, especially in my art and my life works um kind of bridging the the bridge between those two worlds kind of the the mundane and the extraordinary mm-hmm. in in a way um and my inner and outer landscape kind of um bridging that dance and my art's very vision based I'm very visual and so I'll have usually it's inspired from a deeper understanding or an aha moment um, or an experience of elation and and connection with source. And then I'm so driven to bring that into form. Mm-hmm. Like you need to paint that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and with sacred space, then then it's that same kind of threshold, the idea of, of the, the art piece, if I'm working like with a painting, that hopefully that can create a doorway for someone to step into that experience for them Mm -hmm. but with a space you have you have a real door like there's an actual threshold you can cross into a space and arrive there so similarly like playing with that idea of what's possible yeah um, and how that happens like what what makes that um makes that shift of consciousness yeah happen I, I'm, I've been really exploring this idea with myself and some of my clients and students because I find that whenever I have a shamanic journey and I'm gifted with a symbol or an image that means something to my soul, it's my soul trying to communicate a message to me, if I'm willing to find a way to represent that in the physical world and place it on my altar or just be open and aware to like how that might come to me in my yeah. everyday life that it does create that bridge and it makes that, that it's like the energetic flow from the unseen and formless world actually be more tangible here in form. And I just love how you're talking about that of not just, you know, maybe an altar on a table or a painting on a wall, but you can do that in, in a physical 3d room. And I know when I built my healing space, like we embedded it words and crystals and objects in the foundation and floors and even in how it was decorated. 
really using that intent. And I'm seeing that more and more if you have some dream, whether it's a school or uh, some project or whatever your vision is to be able to say, wow, I can take this energetic and find physical crystals or physical objects that you want to use to root and anchor that into here on earth. And mm-hmm. so I'd love for you to kind of expand a little bit more how you do that. Cause I know you've done that with elsewhere studios in town and it sounds like you've, you have done that too energetically with like the dream of the school of magic and and yeah, talk about that bridging a, and weaving. It's a very, it's a cool process <laughs> and seemingly very, very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, how do I jump into that? <laughs> the sacred space. Can I talk about sacred yes, space a little please. bit? Because um, I knew that was going to be our topic. So mm-hmm. I've been diving into that a little bit and it's been super fun to kind of get more clear on, yep. on how to define that. Yeah. And, um, and to me, sacred space is an invitation and opening to enter an intention that's been set. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's more of a container than, um, than something else in a lot of ways. So if the, a building, if it's a church or a temple that's been consecrated for a long time, that intention may be so palpable you can walk in and, and feel it, um emanating from that space or it could be something um that's a shorter amount of time like casting a circle and Mm -hmm. calling in the angels and guides and having setting your intention fulfilling your intention and closing the circle um so it doesn't need a physical container but some some kind of container and, and some way of arriving so like if our bodies are temples and we contain that sacred space most of us that's somewhat fleeting or it's, it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to sustain that <laughs> experience, but for most of us, it's something we arrive at. Mm-hmm. So like creating that moment of arrival and, um, how you were mentioning stones or, you know, physical items to really solidify that. That's helpful in that sense because those intentions are being solidified into something that's like, it's there and you can tune into it. Um, and for me, I had a long journey with creating physical space, um, and being excited about creating sacred space within it with the elsewhere studios building, Mm -hmm. which is now an artist residency program and the home to an emerging mystery school, the school of magic. Mm -hmm. But I've been, it's been my art canvas for about 16 years. Wow. (laughs) And it was really a year, the first year and a half that was the entire full remodel and like building process. Um, And my partner at the time, Maya, was engaged in that phase. And we really brought dreams into reality and went through the the whole process well. Um, And in the same way with my art, using, using kind of shape to create an opening, a doorway to interact with. I just naturally created windows that mm-hmm. were fancifully shaped, um, similar to my paintings. And so I was kind of, I have what's been coined as the FF factor, the fanciful factor. I just can't help it. Um, and for me kind of plays off of more, more of the sacred shapes and geometry of temples and, um, 
sacred spaces throughout time. Mm-hmm. So kind of bringing that in in a playful way into physical space. And then also the building arriving there was um, was energetically pretty funky. And, and when we arrived, you know, people would say, oh, it's haunted or it has, you know, has that kind of energy and people had a lot of stories around it. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't think it, to me, it wasn't, it wasn't that dense because I had just moved from an incredibly haunted house. <laughs> <laughs> and so this was like nothing, but I was, um, <clears throat> I was meeting with a, a group that they called themselves the, uh, Lightworkers 102 group. Uh-huh. And we would like, cast a circle and create a vortex and and use the energy for good on the planet yeah and they found out where I was living and were very excited to come visit and have like a a field trip and clear the house Mm -hmm. and so at that point in time the basement was still dirt the 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 pour hadn't happened for the concrete yep and there was one spot that was um definitely an energy vortex Hole, like it was, you could feel yeah. how intense the energy was in this one spot in the center, and um, and so we grounded it out, and I made this big lotus, and and people brought crystals and and other things that they were called to bring to like physically ground it out yeah. in, into our our intended positive creative force, and and really set like that force field for the energy that was coming in and out. Um, and cleared the building, and it was incredibly effective. Right, it's I like wasn't sure. Visceral, like uh, yeah. Feel it. yeah, yeah, it was completely different. Yeah, the level of like just calm and and grounded and creative energy there, and um, and that's something I've come to discover that there's natural energy portholes in nature, mm-hmm. and when people build, if they build on top of just a normal natural porthole it can shift the energy depending how it's done and Mm -hmm. and kind of ground it out to that frequency of energy coming through so you might get a lot of different things coming through um yeah so that was really (laughs) effective and telling in in how you can affect a space um and at that same time I was had all kinds of things I was playing, storylines I was playing with, like um, this being the temple to the higher self, which was kind of from my more formative years, that mm-hmm. idea. But also there were seven doors on the building and seven mirroring the seven doors to the soul and the seven chakras. I still haven't painted them different colors, but that may happen at some point. <laughs> but just really honing in this sense that the, the physical space that could be the bones in the body of of the temple um and so it became the temple to the muse because we're all artists and carpenters and builders and um and we were all dancing with the muse I mean that was a big part of it and being artists and the seven doors to the soul being the sensory perceptions and how that the, another threshold of between the inner and outer landscape um, that I feel like all artists, all humans engage with, whether they're conscious of it or not, but to be able to be conscious of right. like, be intentional. yeah. Will you explain that a little bit more of inner and outer landscape? Cause that's a term that 
I often use when I'm working with women and but not everyone's familiar with that of just I, I notice if there's something going on in my life or in someone else's life that oftentimes when we go within and even if we're you know visioning of of creating a sacred space that feels safe to us like you're visioning a place in nature you can go to to replenish and rebuild yourself or you're you needing a place to you know I'm just seeing that parallel between what you're talking about about in a physical building and in our physical bodies of, yeah right like yeah. anchoring energy but also being able to release energy or clear energy that's no longer serving or no longer really resonating with whatever your intent is or whatever your direction is in mm-hmm. your life and so I'm curious if you can talk a little bit more about what does that mean to have an inner landscape and how does that apply to the outer landscape and to the physical world and mm-hmm. the way you're creating your life? Yeah, I feel like it's um, it's perfectly mirrored. It's always so wild. Um, and getting in touch with the inner landscape, I mean, even just closing your eyes, tuning into what you're feeling um, gives you a sense of the internal landscape. And then it can... I mean, you can do deep dives into your dreaming landscape and your own internal symbol system, which is incredibly accurate, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and engaging with your soul work on that level. And um, or if you're if you're sick, like, is it is it emotional? Is it physical? I feel like the emotional is more the inner landscape. And how it can manifest in into the outer landscape is more, you know, the being sick, feeling sick, mm-hmm. and where did that start from? Yep. You know, so there's those threads go both directions, almost perfectly mirrored. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so many avenues for getting in touch with with the internal landscape, and we live in such a busy external world it's hard to slow down and tune in and I think that's that's largely the challenge to being to having that clarity of what we're what we're creating and how we're how we're creating it our interactions with the external landscape can be just completely affected by going inside and and seeing seeing what's happening there how we're creating from that place And responding to it differently, right? So that if there's something going on inside of you that you're realizing isn't serving you anymore to say, how can I work with it in a way that is more loving or being really able to see and hear what those inner messages are. And then that's what can then start to build that bridge back into that outer landscape where your relationships or your money or career or health or whatever can start to shift because you've actually done the adjustment inside yeah it really changes usually it just completely transforms the perception Mm -hmm. of what's happening in the rest of your life and sometimes that's all that needs to change (laughs) or sometimes you know everything changes right and do you find that as you're working with something like a building which is in the outer and you're also almost creating like an inner landscape for the building in terms of like connecting it to those energetic lines. Do you find that that actually mirrors what's going on in your life as well? Or it, it informs as you're shifting things in the physical building, cause you have such a strong connection to that, that it also creates some kind of transformation inside of you. 
Yes, definitely. There's been many times that the energy has been roadblocked for things happening in that space um, and deeply rooted in relationship matters or, you know, personal, major personal growth stuff. It's, I feel like probably for all of us, but for me, for sure, (laughs) my creative process is entirely combined with my spiritual growth and Mm -hmm. and my process. So choosing to take something on, um, like now working on this mystery school, I've had to really go through the fires to, (laughs) to trans, you know, to keep up with Mm -hmm. that, to be, to be able to hold the space on that level. Um, and so it's a, it's a constant dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 To move through and to, to shift and to dance with all of those, those elements those growth processes. Yeah, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that process because not everyone's familiar with a mystery school and Fully Shining Women Leading Our World is a mystery school. And I know for myself, I was, I felt I had reached a certain level of mastery to even be able to say that I would attempt to do that and then being like completely humbled and shocked at how much more uh, inner movement needed to happen to really embody and embrace that. So I'd love to hear more about about what your perception of mystery school is and what that process has been like for you. Yeah. Well, for me, it's been, um, this idea of having mystery school and the temple, like the temple grounds kind of holding the space for that Mm -hmm. physically has been, um, percolating for, for many years and, and largely because of the incredible teachers here locally Mm -hmm. and, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like an easy idea to organize, to draw, draw people together, to create a curriculum that, that included all these different, you know, incredible tools and, yep. and teachings. Um, and it definitely has not been, <laughs> has not been easy, but for me, um, after high school, I wanted to find the high priestess school. Like I was mm-hmm. very in touch with, I had read the Miss of Avalon many years before that. And I just couldn't shake that that um that part of the story where the the priestess arrive, you arrive at the lake and depending on where you're at and yourself you can part the mist the mm-hmm. mist part and the boat arrives yeah. and then you get taken to the mystery school and um and I knew it existed but I couldn't find it at that point mm-hmm. and um and I still I feel like I'm kind of in this creative process and the forming a, this school because it's the school I want to go to. Uh-huh. Like I'm not necessarily one of the main teachers in any regard. <laughs> I'm very much a student. Um, but the process has been, let's see. It's, yeah, it's been uh, throughout time. I find myself in kind of founding leadership roles and I'm not, um, it's not my comfortable, like natural place to be and being, having like talking, <laughs> having to talk and explain and define and then hold the space on a leadership level of working yeah. with people. And I've gotten better and better and better and better, but I, there's, you know, it's, I can get so much better at that right. too. So it's an evolving process that's, that's very good Mm -hmm. it's it's very good for me and it's challenging yeah yeah it's it's that like growth edge right of 
of saying, I'm willing to serve this vision and no matter what discomfort it may bring up in my mind or body to, to look at those places, it's just saying, okay, yeah, there's, yeah. there's more, there's, there's that, that, uh, invitation to just open up to, okay, this may not have been the way my mind conceived of, of serving and still also finding that thread of like, what, what's your gift, what's your you know, best and highest way to serve and finding the people surrounding you that are going to bring their gifts and talents to support that vision as well and invite others into, into their growth and into their mastering. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And and it feels like, um, you know, when things are, are more resistant and aren't flowing easily in that direction or in any of my project creation directions um sometimes I want to drop out and mm-hmm. and just and just quit but then it becomes apparent it's not about me <laughs> you know that the, the the world is calling for this right now mm-hmm. for this these ancient ancient knowledge and spiritual yep. knowledge to be present and that we're so um saturated in media and and success and trying to make it in all these other regards. And we're just so hungry and craving, craving this like growth and being able to, to live our shining selves mm-hmm. and connected with source and sustain that. Yeah. And so I feel like it's, it's that, that edge, that's that journey that's driving, um, that's driving us to, to need to create these spaces that are for that that are that have that capacity to to support people on that path yeah I feel like it's so so needed right now in the world the world is just like parched right of of those places and spaces where you can really feel the safety and the container to go through that darkness of the soul or go through whatever's coming up in your life and you know oftentimes I watch when people start really connecting with spirit your mind has a reaction because it seems like so out there or crazy or you know you can't make this stuff up and to be in a community where others have experienced those kind of signs and symbols and they're able to help you open up to receive the messages that come on lots of different channels not just the social media or the here's how you're supposed to live or what our mind thinks yeah yeah and that's such a magical process and it's uncomfortable because it's not about the mind leading the way it's about the heart and the spirit leading the way and that those parts of ourselves I find just have a whole different agenda (laughs) yeah yeah so what what is like exciting you right now? What is what what projects are you doing that you just want others to know about and lend their energetic blessing and support to? Um, well, definitely the School of Magic, which is in its very formative uh, years. This will be the second annual blooming of the curriculum, and it's in the the Elsewhere Studios residency building which um, is all trans- magically transforms into the School of Magic for and the Temple to the Muse for three months a year. So the last, last year, we did the magical month of May, and that was the first 
the first offering Mm -hmm. and um there was all kinds of workshops and classes that were offered and so we're it's the the core crew which are teachers and organizers are reforming what that's going to look like for this upcoming march april may Mm -hmm. um and then i've been putting a lot of time more into my remodeling my website which is not up yet (laughs) and um more of my business side of my art like honing in on my frames and I've been doing a lot of um, hand sculpted frames Mm -hmm. which I'm very excited about and making casts forming and casting them so that I can um, frame the prints as as the as the original pieces Um, what else yeah, quite those a are lot. the two. Those are the the main things that yeah. I have going on at the moment on that landscape. Yeah, beautiful. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and exploring sacred space and journeying in the inner and outer landscapes. And I know we'll put all your information in the show notes so Great. everyone yeah. can connect with you. <laughs> and I would love to. Yeah, just continue our conversation about supporting each other and helping blossom these beautiful dreams that support women and men and non-binary people, all all people around the world. And I'd love to just take a moment and then come back for our intentional nudge. Okay, thank you so much, Megan. You're welcome. So we are back for our intentional nudge, and I'm really excited for Willow to share a practice that will help you take all of these topics we've just discussed, sacred space and inner landscape and growth and transformation, and put it into practice in a simple way in our everyday life. Thanks, Megan. Um, I would like to invite all of you listeners to... Find a spot in nature that's beckoning, beckoning to you. Um, it could be on a path you normally walk on or in a field or a forest. Um, it can really be anywhere. But find, find your spot and then um, I invite you to draw a line into the dirt as your threshold, creating, creating a threshold and... Um, before stepping across this threshold to set a very strong intention that when you cross the line, you'll be leaving the ordinary. You'll be entering this new space completely open and present to experience what unfolds for you, attuned to the magic that it's emoting, and then step across the line. Hmm. I would love to hear anyone who takes this invitation and puts it into practice i would love to hear about your experiences and as always we are hanging out in community over at fsw.care and i know willow and i are just blessing everyone with that magic that flow that invitation to create sacredness in your everyday life so thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time Now, this is the part where I tell you how we can stay connected. I would love it if you would rate, review, and follow 
this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. We're gathering over on Fully Shining Women Leading Our World on Mighty Networks, which is at fsw.care. You can follow me on Instagram at Megan Gilroy. And if you're interested in having a conversation about working with me privately or whether the Fully Shining Women Wisdom School is a good fit for you, you can go to MeganGilroy.com to book a clarity call. Now, all this is in the show notes for you. And this has been edited and produced by Gilroy Productions. To hire us for your podcast, you can go to bit.ly slash Gilroy Pro. Thanks, Bodie. I love you.